Hello, and welcome to MAV Travel Talk. My name is Isabel Wastful. And I'm Annika Kuhar. And this special episode surrounding the pandemic and studying abroad will feature Adele Cannelly. Adele is a junior studying uh, computer science and French and recently returned from her semester in Besançon, France. Um, we're here today to talk about a little bit of her experiences while she was there. Um, Adele, how long were you pl originally planning to be on abroad? I, I believe I arrived January 20th, 21st, and then I was going to be there until June 5th. And then when did you actually leave from being abroad? If I remember correctly, I believe I landed in Omaha in, on March 18th. Okay, okay. So about two and a half months. Um, what, so in the beginning of your study abroad experience, what was it like to pack up, pack up your life in Omaha and then leave to a totally new place? Um, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really pack and like, it didn't seem like it was actually happening until, um, like two days before, like all my friends were like, oh, oh, we can't believe it. We can't believe it. And then like the day before it came and I was, I think I was up until like 4am, like still packing. Cause I had to say goodbye to everybody. So it seemed a little bizarre, but it's like, oh, all I need is clothes. And then like, <laughs> I, and I, and then I can go. It was, it was interesting. Um, so when you first got off the plane, uh -huh. what was, I guess, your first memory of getting off the plane? So I, I was sitting in the train area, didn't really know what to do. So I asked, <laughs> which train do I have to take? She's like, oh, you look at the number and like the terminal and then, the, and then you're good to go. And I was like, okay. So I was sitting there. I lost my wallet in the <laughs> Starbucks. Oh my God. Yeah, because I had to get the ticket for Besançon. So I was sitting in line, got the ticket, and then I I left, and then I was about to go buy food from Starbucks, and then I was like, my wallet isn't here. So I was like, great, great, like I'm gonna have to go home. Like he's more like, what am I? What are we doing? So I was like, okay, it's fine. I went back to like the ticket buying area. I was like, Did you, have you seen my wallet? She's like, no. And then she's like, but we'll help you try to find it. I was like, okay. And then she like was calling people, and then I went back to the Starbucks to trace my steps. And I had left my wallet, my small blue wallet. I just like left my wallet there. It was just, it was just like <laughs> sitting there five minutes after I left it there. So I got it, bought my drink from the girl who I was like, oh, I lost my wallet. And then I sat down to charge my charger and then my train came. And that's my first memory. <laughs> wow. I think that's that was awesome. all in there. Awesome. Wow. Okay, so you said you've been to France before, about five years before, right? So when, I guess, you got there, um, how did you find it different than um, when you've been there before? Like, was it different being by yourself rather than with, I think you said you were with your sister and your mom last time? Um, how did you find it different being there independent rather than with people that you knew? It was, ba I think it was basically the same experience. I had no idea what I, I remember when I, five years ago, I was so mad at my mom because she barely planned any of the train rides. Because I was like, what, we're just going to ask people? Like, what do you mean we're just going to ask people? But like, like, there's no schedule online that we could read. It's all in French. So like, you just have to ask people. So I got on the first train and there was like a connecting train, two connecting trains. And when, once the train stopped, I, I knew it stopped because I had to ask people on the train, hey, where does get off? Like, I showed them my ticket. And then when I got off, I just had the, the people standing in like the waiting area to get on the different train, just had to ask them, hey, how, like, help me, like, when is this train coming? 
like do you know do you, do you speak oh i and my favorite phrase je ne parle pas français je parle français juste un peu i do not speak french i speak french just a little and then they'd be like oh okay english and then they try to help me in, in like broken english and it was it was it felt different doing it alone but it also felt the same because like you just have to ask people for help there's no way you're gonna you, i mean you can't plan ahead but right, yeah. majority of traveling, I feel like you just have to ask people for help until you get to your destination. So did you usually ask people if they spoke English first or did you just go in to try to speak French with them? Oh, definitely English first. I was zero confidence in my French skills, rightfully so. Like I was never taught, like I could maybe conjugate, but I was never taught to like speak French until I got to like my first actual French class there. Okay. And so like, I guess after, so your first experience in France, you're asking people how to speak, if they spoke English first, um, I guess after maybe more into your semester there, were you asking people if they spoke English first or did you just try to talk French to them? I, I in the <clears throat> first month and a half, it was definitely still like parlez-vous anglais. But then afterwards I started with, oh, I just speak French a little bit. And then I tried yeah, so I built off my confidence. I had the goal of going through an entire interaction without ever like having to say or transfer back into English. And I only mm -hmm. happened with like ordering a coffee because it's just like, I would like a hot chocolate. Okay, thank you. And yeah, but it happened. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So what was your um, living situation like when you got over there? Um, I was in a residence hall. It was one room to myself the bathroom and like um the living area or like the bed area were the same it was pretty much like a little mini jail cell but I grew to love it like it was my jail cell by the end of it so it was, <laughs> it was fun I'm very grateful that I didn't have to live with somebody else even though the room was small I think it taught me I don't know to be independent and then like I didn't have the added stress of having to deal with the roommate while there gotcha mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um, would you compare it to, I guess, is it, was it similar to like living in your own room in the United States? Like, um, I guess, did you ever live at the UNO dorms? Yes, I did live um, the first semester of college, first year of college, I lived at the UNO dorms. Was the UNO mm -hmm. dorms larger or the same size as your dorm? Oh, in they were France? significantly larger than the, the room in Besançon. I, gotcha. <laughs> it really taught me like my perspective of the world because I showed up like the first day and like I walked up, uh, yeah, I walked up the stairs and I had, I was already stressed from like I, the guy who was there to like help me barely spoke any English and I barely spoke any French. So there was just a lack of communication. And I remember walking into my room. I was like, we'll be fine. Once I get to my room, I'll be fine. And then the sheer like just disappointment that fell upon me once I saw the room and like the situation, it was, yeah, UNO has it better. <laughs> <laughs> um so do you have like what, what's some advice that you would give someone that would be traveling to the university that you went to um give it some time like the, when, once once you see the if you travel before you'll be fine but if you haven't like once you see the situation it might seem overwhelming you're gonna be like I want to upgrade I like I'm, I don't care if I have to give up some experiences I'll pay the extra rent to like like find a bigger room because I remember I even um, message somebody on Facebook, uh, Facebook Messenger to be like, 
oh, do you have a room? Okay, like the rent is a little higher, but like we'd have our own room and like a kitchen, like a big enough kitchen to cook by ourselves. So I was immediately like frantic, like, oh, let me find a different situation rather than seeing how I could improve the situation I'm in. So just give us some time and um, don't uh, try to, don't panic and don't try to change the situation you're in or as in like remove yourself. Don't remove yourself from the situation. Try to see how you can make it better. And then if it's still making you unhappy, then try to see if you can find some outside sources. That's good. That's a good advice. That's pretty good advice. Um, speaking of giving it some time, uh, do you feel like the amount of time, I know you were there, you said for, I guess, like two months, two and a half months, do you think that was a good amount of time to get culturally situated? Or did you feel like you still weren't through your culture shock yet? I don't really know if I, I, I mean, I definitely did go through culture shock, but it wasn't crazy enough for me to like notice that I was going through culture shock. I definitely was adjusted to it. I definitely was like finding my way and, and feeling comfortable. Like I remember a vividly a day I spent the Sunday just walking around the city and I, in my heart, I like knew, wow, this is my second home. Like this is, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be for the next five months. But the t for the two months that I was back, it wasn't a big enough culture, cultural difference for me to feel weird when I came back to Omaha. So I, I definitely wish I could have been there longer because I think my mind and my heart was set on being there longer. So what's it been like traveling back to the U.S. during this weird time? Um, it was stressful, but I had wonderful friends who helped me through the situation. Um, it was a little bizarre because it just shows like how dependent humans are on other humans, but also how fragile other humans are. Like <clears throat> they were able to close entire like countries down. But when I got to the U.S., I didn't have to like take a, like they didn't even give me a thermometer to double check my temperature. So really? it just it, it showed me like the polar the extremes of both ends of like what humans are willing to do to stay protected. So what were the conditions in your host country compared to, I guess, coming back into the U.S.? Like, how was the security different or just like the cultural norms of what was going on different? I, I think maybe France was a little ahead of with the virus um, in terms of how many numbers, how many people were being affected. New York was getting pretty bad and, I, and Omaha was like, hey, stay at home. We recommend you stay at home when I did come back. But in France, the, the president was... He was like, okay, borders shut down. If you go outside, you will be charged. Like people were being charged money if they were outside without like a sheet of paper. And it was like, okay, you can go out for one hour, like one hour to do your exercise. So they were taking it pretty seriously. I remember when we were driving to Paris for me to get to the airport, there was a guy at like a, we had to stop our car and like he'd had to, he asked us like, what are, why were we outside? What was our situation? So we could even get through like, not a state, but like the different ter like the territory besides Besançon. So they were taking it pretty serious, which I guess it's easier for a country that's a bit smaller or a lot smaller right. than the U.S. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Were you at all, um, did you all at all think that you weren't going to come home, that you were just going to stay there for the rest of the semester? Um, and what, what do you mean, in what sense? Like when it got really bad or was I, I was thoroughly like 100% shocked when I got the email that said we were going to come back. Because I, I, there were a couple of Americans with me that I met um, that I sometimes walked to class with. And when it got really bad in Italy, I didn't know how bad it was in Italy. But he, one time he, he, he was like, hey, like, I have a friend in 
Italy and they got sent home from the study abroad experience. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, well, okay, that won't happen to us. There was like no thought in my mind that they would actually send us home. Even after Trump locked down the borders, I didn't think um, it would get as bad as like having to demand us come home, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, do you still keep in contact with all of your friends that you met over there? Yeah, mostly um, with my class situation, it was, I would have class from 8 8.30 a.m. till noon every day, Monday to Friday, but the other kids sometimes are on like the 8 a.m. through like 3 p.m. And specifically the first group I went in, there was like the, the group of like seven or six Australians, and they were pretty close friends. So for me, the school, I was mostly there to learn the French. Like it wasn't mostly, it wasn't about, oh, making connections and all of that. Most of my connections came from, um, I went to the Kingdom Hall because I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses. So that's where I met majority of my friends and I still do FaceTime like Mary Justine, and I still try to keep in contact with the congregation back home and see how they're doing. So, yep, I am still in contact with them. Nice. That's really cool. That's awesome, actually. Um, going back to, I guess, to your school, uh, what's the most, um, what is the coolest thing you've learned while you were abroad? I don't know if it's something a teacher taught me, but it was, um, well, I'm from Africa, so I speak another home language. I mostly understand that rather than speak it, but going to this specific country to learn the specific language when somebody in my home speaks to me in my home language i just automatically would understand it i wouldn't have to translate it but with french like i could understand them but i would have to translate it in my brain so it was just like really profound to know that like the human the human brain does is i don't know you have to have a certain thing to learn language. I, I, I think like a, I took like an anthropology class a while ago that said like, yeah, you can't learn a language, like kids can't learn a language unless they have this like part of their brain intact and this part of the brain that's part, like that's responsible for language learning. And, and I never really understood or believed that until I experienced like how my, how I understood my home language despite not speaking it and how I understood French despite not speaking it. It, it gave me a much better appreciation for people who speak even two languages, but the people who can do like four or five, that's, that's something else. They're, they're amazing. They're superhuman or something. Did you, um, did you think all your professors there were super helpful? Like, did you learn a lot from them? Um, yeah, they, they were, I, as language teachers, they were more like, okay, we like do this. They push us harder than I think my French teachers back home, just for the sake of like, they knew the language fluently, they were confident. And they were like, hey, if you just try, if you just exert yourself harder, then like you can get to a, a place where you are speaking this fluently. So they were very passionate. They were like big personalities, for most of them. And I walked away really appreciating most of them. Yeah, some, and, and it's just like the state, some teachers there, you, you could tell they were just like there because they wanted a job, yeah. Right. But they weren't a bad teacher necessarily. So was the education there different than the education that you get, I guess, at UNL? Uh, I, I, it's kind of hard to answer this since I was only taking a language class and it was just one language class. I can really tell the difference between like what math teachers or what science teachers were like. Um, the teachers, I don't think there was that big of a difference. It's just about finding a teacher who's passionate about what they do. What classes did you take while you were over there? 
I had one 15 credit hour class. So it was just brute force learning French. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Do you think even though your time there was cut short, do you think you learned a lot and now you're, I guess, more fluent in French than you were when you showed up? A zillion percent. Um, I have a aunt who actually lives in France um, and my mom would call her. They're like really, really close. They talk almost every day. And before I would always just be like, hi, ça va, como ça va, oui, je suis bien, like, yes, I'm good, okay, bye. But I, um, I actually got the opportunity to go visit her um, while I was in France, and we were able to have, like, conversations, and when there was vocabulary lacking, she would just default to our home African language. So I can definitely tell I, I'm more willing to make mistakes and, like, okay, you're learning language, and if, if you get it wrong, then somebody will just correct you. I definitely, my my French knowledge, like, quadrupled 100%. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, what days did you have classes, and, like, what would a normal day of getting ready and going to class be like? Um, My days were, uh, they were split up from Monday through Wednesday, and then Thursday the uh, Saturdays were a little different, but normally my Monday to Wednesdays, I'd wake up at seven, get ready, take the bus, the L3 Poltimese bus to um, Ver the bus stop Warhan, and then I would walk down to the Cielat. So from 8.30 to 12, I was in class, and then at 12, I went to lunch at the Cano Residence Restaurant, get my lunch, which was, let me tell you this, the lunch was 350 euros and it translated to like $363 like every day. Yeah, that's, well, that's what was lunch, your lunch was. And there was like an entree, there was dessert, like not nothing crazy fancy, but it was like you'd have a main entree and then you'd have a dessert and then you'd have bread, of course. And then you could either switch your, your um, extra like little side salad for like a, like a sour cream or a, a butter to complete the meal. And water, mostly just water. But 363, I'll take that. Yeah. And if it's every day, it adds deal. up. So it was very, there was like a student um, meal plan that they specifically had. Okay, lunch. And then after that, if it was like just a Monday, I would just try to walk around the city center. I'd take the train to maybe the Garviot or like a, a center, city, center city area and then just walk around and see see the town, get back home around five, have dinner at like six, and then text some people. Cause, oh, here's, here's the part. Um, since I was seven hours ahead, I, I just basically just lived my whole day. And then once, usually five or five or 7 PM for me hit, that's when like all my friends back home were waking up. And that's when I could be like, oh, hey, hello. Yes, my day was good. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Was that weird living, I guess, like ahead of them and then after your day was over, just telling them about your day? Yeah, I was really fortunate to have great friends who like constantly were checking up on me because I think it definitely could have gone incredibly lonely if it was just like an every other day, like somebody calling you and asking you how you are. Because of course you make friends there, but everybody like is busy in their lives and you're always wondering like how your friends back home are doing. So it was bizarre, but it was like, oh, the, like the world is so connected, but how? Because we live in different, like your time zone does matter and like, and how you communicate with people. Mm -hmm.
I know when I was abroad, I had a hard time in the beginning with um, my friends going and doing stuff without me and me not being able to there. A couple of friends of mine went to a Lord concert without me. And I was in <laughs> Italy and I was so sad about it. Wow. But well, you know, I'm sure I, they wished you were there. <laughs> oh, probably. But you know, in the moment, you're just like, oh man, I really wish I was there. Did you ever have any of those moments? And I guess, what did you do to, you know, get past that and kind of move forward? Um, I definitely did have those moments. I since I went in the winter, most like they were just having game nights and like, I don't know, just hanging out with their family mostly. So I didn't get to the point in where it's like summer and they're like playing volleyball and playing tennis and doing this and that. I didn't get to the point where I was getting con it was like a constant thing. But the couple of times where they were, everybody was like meeting together and like we had a friend move to like Philadelphia and they all got together like 20 people to say bye to them and like got sweatshirts that said the same logo. And I felt Aww. left out, but I, it was nice to see the pictures. And then people would FaceTime me and like talk to me about like what their experience was like. So it was nice to know that they, it never made me feel left like, or bitter that they were telling me about it. I was just grateful that they cared enough to tell me about it still. Yeah. That's really nice. Did your friends, I guess, were they super happy for you to come back? They were like offensively happy for me to come back. <laughs> It was a little like, hey guys, come on, this is a cool experience. At least like pretend <laughs> that like I should be staying a little bit. Yeah, my mom was super, like, they were ready. I think even specifically the fact that it was a coronavirus, they were like, yeah, dude, get out of there. You can't, you're gonna die in Fran do you, France. Do they have wa running water in France? Like they were ready for me to come home. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um. So did, I guess, yeah, did your friends ever ask you about how France was and I guess yeah, what are the differences between France and America? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess so. It was, it's like the main topic of conversation. Oh, what'd you do today? Oh, yeah, I took the train and went on a walk and this nice cute little thing. Oh, I spoke French today and this and that. It was the main like topic of conversation. I don't know about necessarily the differences, but like, oh, what's France like? Because everybody views French as like, not, it's not just Paris, that's a city. It's like the whole, the whole country is a city of love. It's like, no, guys, like people are just regularly living their lives here. But it just <laughs> right. happens to be closer to like cool things. So yeah, I think especially being from Nebraska, it's like, oh, there's things to do there. Sense. Wow, it's crazy. I know when people go abroad, they talk about food all the time. I love the food while I was abroad. What was your favorite thing to eat while you were in France? <laughs> you never get this. Bread. <laughs> bread, um, really. Hands, just like even your average, like, cafeteria bread, like, they would just have buckets of free bread. And even that tasted better than most things you have in the States. They just know how to make bread. Um, I'm, I'm really into spices. My mom makes really spicy food and like flavor of flavorful food. And I don't think French people are necessarily like that. So it wasn't <clears throat> really the main meals. It was mostly like the pastries and like the bread and the sweets that did it for me. So just in general, bread, bread was really good. Bread was so good. What's France, I guess, what did everybody ask if you ate? Like, did they ask if you ate like I guess a croissant or a baguette? A croissant specifically, a croissant and a tart. Some people really mm -hmm. wanted me to taste a tart and it was nice. I'm not a custard person, so I wouldn't necessarily go for it each time, but the croissant was, they were light, buttery, flaky, great. Did you ever go out to a restaurant by yourself or with a group of friends? 
Um, I don't know if I, yeah, I think by myself a couple of times, it's not coming to mind, but there was, I had this, um, other American, uh, sister, <laughs> like from my religion, we call them sisters. Um, she was there for a month to help out in the congregation for the preaching work, but she's been there before and she really loved, um, the food and like going out to eat. So we made a plan to go out and eat every single week. And we tried a Moroccan restaurant. We tried some pizza. French pizza is not good. I'll just let you know that. Um, the Moroccan restaurant was actually very interesting because I, I get, since it's Europe, it's so close to different cultures. So you can get real authentic like food. So yeah, the Moroccan place was really good. I think we, oh, there is this restaurant called Pom Thai. Incredible. <laughs> High food in France is, is next level. Yeah. Really so you're, you're you keep talking about all these people that you met, all your friends, even through your religion and also through school. Um, when you left France um, so quickly, did, were you able to say goodbye to everybody and kind of, you know, have a good debriefing and leaving France? Um, easy answer, no. I got the information on Thursday and then the country started shutting down like nobody could meet like in a group or t of 10 or more on Friday. So then like the main avenue where I could like say goodbye to my friends was taken away because we had to do our meeting or like <clears throat> and congregation meeting in a small house. So I, I met some really cool, really wonderful Russian friends that I never got to say goodbye to. I don't know if they think I'm dead or where I am. Like we said goodbye Thursday. We had a wonderful time together on Thursday out in service. And then I'm just never like going to see them again until who, who knows what. So it was really sad. And even some of my like school mentors that helped me through the process of getting adjusted, I never got to say goodbye to them. I was able to send some emails like, hey, I'm in, I'm in um, like America now, but nothing like a thank you for like what you did for me and I'm sorry I cried in front of you so that was really that was a huge bummer not to get to see like say goodbye to everybody right do you ever think you'll go back and see them yeah I think so I don't know why so, I wouldn't like life is opened up to me now so really so I guess yeah how is your um, idea of like traveling and going abroad changed since you've lived in another country Never really cared about traveling not that I was I'm like just like the the hugest fan of Nebraska it just wasn't my focus I more cared about like graduating from college getting a good job like being happy in the future life but I never thought travel was a part of that until I went to Europe and it, I think mostly it was the fact that it was so easy to see cool things being from Nebraska you just you just had to travel so far to even get to like a like the zoo is cool, but like, I don't know, Santa Monica Pier is a, a little bit cooler. So just right. the distance you have to travel to get to somewhere that would be interesting. Um, it didn't seem worth it to me before, but now it does because you just have to have a little bit of zeal and have a, put a little bit of effort to see something that could really like leave an impact on you forever. Um, if you were to sum up your study abroad experience and say one or two words, how would you describe it? I was definitely, I don't even know how I got the motivation to study abroad. I, I like, maybe I was just sick of Nebraska and I really wanted to go. And like, I had a, an, a, one friend who really inspired me to go because she's like experienced and she raves about it. But like, just knowing who I am, most people would not like, people were just so confused when I told them I was going to France. And I was confused until I landed in Paris. 
actually. So I was definitely one of those pessimists, like study abroad during your college experience. Okay, whatever. But it's, even if you have like even the slightest bit of interest, I think it's 100% worth it. Even if it's just like a one week in during the summer or like a one month thing, or even if you want to go a whole year, it's definitely worth it to just try. If, if you have that slight, slight interest, the paperwork is worth it. And I definitely think anybody and everybody should go for it. Well, Adele, thank you so much for talking today. Um, I really appreciate having this conversation with you. Um, it sounds like your study abroad experience was awesome, even though it was sadly cut short. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, for everybody out there who maybe wants to study abroad or is thinking about it. I think you definitely convinced me to go study abroad again. Sounds like a fantastic time. I wanna go visit France. Um, so once again, thank you so much for sharing your story. No problem. Thank you for asking.